lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here today, live and on demand, right here on Blaze TV. My name is Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin are here with me as well. If you'd like to join us today, let us know what you think about what we think. I don't check my email for a day. I totally forget. And I've got 200 in there. So that's on me. Feel free to add yours to the pile. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Also on Parlor, Gab, Facebook, MeWe, like me there. Uh, just look for my name at all of those places. Remember, Parlor now is the new place. I've decided I've, I'm going to give our poor social media team a break here at The Blaze. So I'm I'm not posting any more COVID stuff on Facebook for now. We, we You can make sure if you want all of our updated COVID stuff because we're getting proven more and more right every day. We'll have more on that here later in this hour. Uh, follow us on Parlor to make sure you're getting all of our COVID material. Look for at Steve Dace on Parlor to make sure you're getting all of our COVID material there. Since I always get inundated with emails, can I get a link to this? Can I get a link to that? Yep. They're all linked right there on our Parlor page. They're linked to other places as well, but that's the one place where you're always going to know our COVID stuff is located. If you're looking for clips of the show that you can sample yourself and then share with others, <clears throat> go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace or rumble.com slash Steve Dace show. Also, don't forget my new book, A Nefarious Carol is out right now at Amazon.com. If you'd like an autographed copy and you don't want to give any more money to Amazon.com, you can get one through Premier Collectibles that is linked up on both my Twitter and Facebook accounts, the link for that. Otherwise, if you're about the 90% of Americans who buy their books at Amazon.com, get your copy today. If you've had a chance to read it, Thank you very much, and if you enjoyed it, or the Audible version performed by my daughter and I, please leave us a five-star review for the book at Amazon. Those help every bit as well. All right, coming up on the show today, instead of our normal Monday town hall, I thought today we needed to do a bit of a, a political science, critical thinking exercise. And we've added so many new listeners and viewers to the show in the past year. And as we were talking about last week, there's no doubt Donald Trump brought so many new people to the daily process of politics, right? We had uh, unusually high voter turnouts, both the elections that he won. See what I did there? Uh, and uh, also, um, it's not just that, though. It's the intensity of those people, how much they're engaged, right? You've seen cable news ratings in the Trump era for everybody. We're up all across the board. Clicks. Uh, every, he made everything more interesting to people, whether they liked his personality or not. And so we think that there's probably a lot of people now that are in daily connectivity with the political process that... And, and maybe more people than ever before in our careers. And we want to help with some critical thinking along those lines, particularly for those of you that are new to the process. So today in our second hour, we're going to do a bit of a critical thinking, political science workshop. Nothing's changed. All the data trends we're currently seeing, everything we're currently seeing, uh, the virus collapsing, for example, since January 8th, new cases, new daily cases are down 71% here in the United States. And those numbers are being duplicated similarly all over the rest of, of the world, in fact. So all the data trends, everything's the same. Nothing's changed. Nothing. Only one thing changes. 
Donald Trump is reelected and in the White House right now today on February 20 the 1st, how would that change the narrative about coronavirus, if at all? We're going to discuss that in our second hour and hopefully encourage some of you and, and, and spur on some of your critical thinking so that you don't get fooled again by the system. All right. Uh, also, at the uh, bottom of the hour, did somebody, were you snapping your fingers to, to get my attention? No. No? Okay. No. All right. I wasn't. Did it sound like it to you? I was. What? Sound Somebody like, cracking their knuckles. Okay, I mean, I are, we do, are, are we doing a live show here? Or are you hammering. guys like totally? No, but I didn't Stop notice. Stop the hammering! I didn't notice Aaron do anything. Okay, all right. Or am I just easily distracted? Perhaps. I, thought, I thought he was trying to get my attention. No? No? I heard I, somebody's I, knuckles crackling and then I was itching my head. So maybe between those two things. All right. All right. This awkward pause brought to you by <laughs> nobody. Nobody would want to sponsor the last two minutes. David Arsani from National Review is going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour as well. But before we get to all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by this guy. This guy. You and the president have suggested that we'll approach normality toward the end of the year. What does normal mean? Do you think Americans will still be wearing masks, for example, in 2022? You know, I think it is possible that that's the case. Why do you think Americans might have to wear masks into 2022? You know, because it depends on the low, on the level of 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 of, uh, of dynamics of virus that's in the community. This guy. I'll give you an example. My parents have already gotten their second dose. They're fully vaccinated. Does that mean it's okay for them to spend time with their grandchildren, who obviously have not been vaccinated? What's your recommendation? You know, I, I'm not going to make a recommendation now. Here's Fauci in November. When you have the kind of inflection that we have, it doesn't all of a sudden turn around like that. Here's Fauci this weekend. I think you're seeing the natural peaking and coming down. The one comment I want to make about that, Chuck, for, for the viewers uh, and the listeners, is that the slope that's coming down is really terrific. It's very steep and it's coming down very, very quickly. Fauci also gave us permission over the weekend to hug each other so long as we've been vaccinated. If you're vaccinated and you have a member of your family vaccinated, someone that's not lived with you and actually be with them without a mask, can I sit down and give them a hug and things like that? And the answer is very likely, of course you can. Fauci, speaking to the UK Telegraph about former President Trump, said, quote, Trump allowed the communications department of the White House to send out a list to all the media, all the networks, all of the cables, all the print press about all of the mistakes I've made, which was absolute nonsense because there were no mistakes, end quote. And now for some comic relief, here's the Babylon Bee with Fauci's latest press conference. We've gathered data and established new precautions, as always. By following the science. Wheel! Behold the wheel of science! If you want to avoid the coronavirus, you have to rip off your eyebrows. Like, shave my eyebrows? Rip off your eyebrows! No! It's very specific. What about for someone with a gluten deficiency? Like me. Science says, fight a bear!
Turning our COVID-inflamed eyes to California, where there's renewed optimism, yes, optimism, that the virus might finally be burning out. A new piece at the LA Times this weekend spells out the dwindling coronavirus cases in LA County and basically admits lockdowns were pointless. The piece says, quote, UC San Francisco epidemiologist Dr. George Rutherford said one of the many reasons why cases are dropping so fast in California is because of naturally acquired immunity, mostly in Southern California. He estimated that 50% of Los Angeles County residents have been infected with the virus at some point. Rutherford went on to say, quote, we're really talking something starting to sound and look like herd immunity, although that true herd immunity is a ways off in the future, end quote. Now, it'd probably be a good time to remind you of one of the first antibody studies in the U.S. last year from L.A. County, which found, quote, infections from the new coronavirus are far more widespread and the fatality rate much lower in L.A. County than previously thought, end quote. Checking in on the curious case of the invisible influenza, according to the CDC, between October 1st and February 6th, 165 flu-related hospitalizations were recorded in the entire country. That's down just a little bit from the 400,000 hospitalized cases in the 2019-2020 flu season. Moving on, Coca-Cola is on the defensive after a whistleblower at the company anonymously published the diversity training the company requires for its employees. The diversity training entitled Confronting Racism, Understanding What It Means to Be White, Challenging What It Means to Be Racist, encourages its participants to, quote, try to be less white, and that to be less white means being less oppressive, less arrogant, less certain, less ignorant, and so on. A spokesperson for Coca-Cola said the curriculum was meant to foster a more inclusive workplace, but the exact video in question was not a, quote, focus of the company's curriculum. New York University now has many genders from which you can choose to identify yourself in online forms, including Aliagender, Demiboy, Maverick, Neutroy, Novigender, and Two-Spirit. The cost of tuition at New York University is over $53,000 per year. Amazon book-burning update. Ryan T. Anderson of the Heritage Foundation announced last night Amazon decided to de-platform his book entitled When Harry Became Sally, Responding to the Transgender Moment. And as a tangential Judas update, the conscientious conservative David French, who believes Drag Queen Story Hour is a blessing of liberty, who just last month defended Amazon's decision to de-platform Parler, who just last week took a crap on the grave of Rush Limbaugh, clutched his damned pearls when he heard about Amazon's blacklisting of his friend Ryan T. Anderson's book. Figure that one out. About that supposed armed insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, Julie Kelly from American Greatness reviewed more than 200 arrests related to that day's events and found only 14 people were charged with any type of weapons violation and only two were charged with firearms violations with no proof either case was inside the Capitol. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis continues to place his state on the offensive late last week, fresh off unveiling new legislation dealing with big tech and touting his state's stellar record on him the coronavirus, DeSantis announced new legislation shoring up his state's election integrity. The new measures, if implemented, would address the use of ballot drop boxes, ballot harvesting, ban mass mail-in voting, ban third-party grants for get-out-the-vote efforts, and many other measures. And finally, a life hack you're going to want to hear about brought to you by myself and my beautiful wife, Bella. The coronavirus has been hard on everyone, and with everyone's financial futures in doubt, it's important to look for creative ways to save money and still have fun. One good way to do that my wife and I found out about recently is that you can save oodles of money in the long run on Disney vacations by getting pregnant before you go. That way, in our case, you get three admissions for the price of two. Now, when my son is born in August, I can assure him he doesn't need to go to Disney World 
because he's already been there. Yeah, I kind of buried the lead on that one. Baby McIntyre's coming August 11th, and that's what happened while we were away. How about that? Awesome. Gonna be a boy. I can't wait. Is it kind of weird, though? I, I'm really not nervous about this at all. About being a dad. Maybe, maybe it'll change once he's here, but... I, um, when we had our first, I really thought there was something wrong with me because, like, on a daily basis, I'm not carrying the child and stuff, and it just... I felt, in a way... And I, I mean, I went to all the Lamaze classes and all that stuff, and, and I just felt disconnected you know and i really thought there was something wrong with me the entire time and then the but then the first time i got to hold her right away everything changed like right away then it was then it then it hit home for me but i i can't think of a more errant statement other than we're having a kid and i'm not nervous about it at all that's 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 peak Aaron McIntyre right there, Todd. Your thoughts? Did you? Was it your call? Was it her call? Was it both your calls to find out the? Uh, yeah, j- it was both of ours. Both calls. yours? Yeah, yeah we it, decided to be surprised, but yeah. Yeah, we never found out. It was always a surprise. Yeah, we decided to be surprised, but that also is very McIntyre. Yep. <laughs> so will you be will you be sharing the name, or is that going to wait until the that'll end? be a surprise for everyone else? Yeah. Only, only Bella and I know. Well, we are very, very excited. Thank you. And, Thank you. and, um, I mean, that is very, very cool. Thank you. You're about to embark on the coolest thing you're ever going to do in your entire life. Being a dad is the coolest, best thing I've ever done, ever been. Amen. Absolutely. Not even, not even a close second. Amen. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be fun. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Annie's Kit Clubs. You know, we all know the detrimental impact of too much screen time for kids these days, whether it's the actual content they're looking at online, the shortening of attention spans, the loss of creativity. We need better ways for our children and grandchildren to use their downtime. That's why we're going to tell you about Annie's Kit Clubs. They've got the perfect subscription boxes for both boys and girls for the boys. They've got the Young Woodworkers Kit Club. It's a monthly subscription. Puts real tools into your child's hands where they receive an all-in-one woodworking kit with the materials they need to make an awesome woodworking project with minimal supervision. And for the girls, it's Annie's Creative Girls Club, which includes two fun craft projects every month, complete with easy-to-follow instructions that Kickstarter creativity through painting, beading, and more. Help your kids develop actual skills, real will, real world building, and new crafting techniques that also help express their creativity. It makes for a great gift for the kids or grandkids. Go to annieskitclubs.com, A-N-N-I-E-S, annieskitclubs.com slash Steve and save 75% off your first shipment right now at annieskitclubs.com slash Steve. In the overtime today... We are just going to tee it up for you, Todd. Um, your friend, your man, David French. Incredulous to see big tech censorship for one of his button-down buddies, right? That's not one of the crudes and plebes like we are. That that we're not supposed to. He's not supposed to be getting big tech big tech censored, right? Today was the first day where I was totally simpatico on your whole 2021 may just be better. I haven't been feeling it today. Yep. When I saw it's already better, but yeah, his comeuppance. Yeah. Mm. So in the overtime today, we're just going to um, reset that story 
And then Aaron and I are going to smoke them if you got them. And we're just going to let you go off because this is... Oh, I want you guys to join in, but thank you. This is the bane of your existence right now, and I want you to share with America why that is the case. That's coming up in the overtime today at blazetv.com. I mean, you have, you've been put in Twitter jail at least once for hounding poor David French, correct? correct? Yeah. At his request. (laughs) Yes, tough guy. Blazetv.com slash Dace, that's D-E-A-C-E, blazetv.com slash Dace, that's where you can go to watch Todd blow a carotid later this afternoon. We'll record that after today's program for Blaze TV subscribers and then upload it. You can watch it right there at blazetv.com slash Dace, but that's also where you can go uh, to get a discounted subscription to Blaze TV if you want to see Todd. Um, Literally, you want to see his head explode in real time. That's coming up later today for you. Take advantage of that discounted subscription at blazetv.com slash Dace. All right, let's get to some more of what is in Aaron's overtime today. And question, Steve. Yes. Which is crazier, the gender list from NYU or Fauci's many hypocrisies? Because I honestly think it's a toss up. I, I think it's 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 Fauci. Well, crazier. The, the, the fact that you can legitimately See, I, I ask the I question. Think, you know what? I'm going to say it, it's the NYU thing because I don't think. I, I mean, I, I think he's a malevolent force. Yeah, I, I don't think this is primarily motivated by self-aggrandizement, um, 15 minutes of fame. I don't that those things may all be part of the the exercise, but I I really believe Anthony Fauci is a malevolent force. You'd be correct. Um, I I think he's influenced from below. I I believe that hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't. You know, there's a few there's a few things I don't mind if if I get deplatformed or banned for for saying or not going along with. Just so you guys all know. And everybody I work with here at The Blaze, and everybody knows, I'm never going along with the gender stuff. Ever. Ever. The day any of you ask me to, is you just fire me. I'm never doing it. Never happening. I don't care what threats I get, what what platforms I get, I lose. I'm just, that's a level of insanity. I'm never finding a way to um, uh, accommodate, justify, work around. I'm just, I'm never doing it. That's just never happening. So the answer right now, everybody needs to know on the record is no. Okay. The Fauci thing's another one. Um, I, I do think we have a bureaucratic state that incentivizes entities like him to take advantage of this. I do think that if it weren't, if he weren't there, then just something else would have arisen to take its place. Like I remember having an argument with one of the other members, senior staff members on the cruise campaign when, when Rubio dropped out that we were now going to be able to get it between just us and Trump. And I said, no, we won't. What do you mean? We won't. I said, because there's a wing of this party that hates both of us the same, just for different reasons. And they're never going to not have a candidate. So what you're going to see is John Kasich's influence increase. Mark my words. No, it's going to be... No, watch. What happened? The mailman, yeah. the son of the mailman increased. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, that's the system. That's the Republican Party. The Stephen Schmidt, John Weaver wing of the party was going to have a candidate. They were never, ever going to have this thing down to the true believing conservative and the outsider that gives zero Fs. They were never going to do that. 
They were never going to do that. They were going to have their own guy until the very end. All right. The very end. And they did. The Flying Dutchman must have a, a captain. Yes. The vessel of the damned must be piloted. Great analogy. Yes, that's exactly right. Similarly, if it wasn't this effing guy, Anthony Fauci, it'd be another effing guy. It'd be somebody else. He's legion. And I use that word on purpose, too. He's legion in the bureaucratic state. It would just be somebody else. We just happen to get this one, okay, for such a ridiculous time as this. But I want to go to what Aaron has in his montage about Southern California. Because there may not be any other program in America that can connect these dots we're about to connect for you. Since we were one of the very first to even pose these points in the first place. On April 20th of last year, the University of Southern California released its results of an antibody survey of Los Angeles County, one of the largest counties in America. Now, I want to give you some context to what was going on in the country or not going on in the country on April the 20th of last year. We were in the midst of the now 30 days to slow the spread. That's the decision I believe that cost Donald Trump his presidency. You can forgive the 15 days to flatten the curve. We're getting all these things thrown at us. We can't trust China. Fine. But when he extended it for 30 days, that's when he lost his presidency to Fauci and to a lesser degree, Burks. But especially Fauci and never really recovered it until he got out of the hospital, recovered from COVID. And by then the die was cast. They had the mail and voting scheme. I'm sorry, um, um, system in place that they needed to ballot. her. I'm sorry, um, uh, expand their base or something. They had all that in place by then. It was too late. The die was cast. So we're in the midst of 30 days to slow the spread. On April 20th of 2020, we hadn't even crossed 50,000 dead with COVID yet in America. We've now crossed 500,000 dead with COVID in America, right? So we hadn't even hit 10% of that on April the 20th. Much of the country had yet to to see a seasonal wave of COVID. That's why all these hospitals at that time, we were mired in a recession that was largely driven by the healthcare sector. Hospitals with mass layoffs, some of them closing their doors because we cleared the deck, all the elective surgeries they do. And I think people will think when they think elective, when they hear elective surgery, that just means like I got a boob job or a tummy tuck. Um, No, that could mean I needed my gallbladder out. I've got a lot of acid reflux issues, but I had to put that off. Uh, that that could be a knee reconstructive surgery because I, so I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm I I don't need it to live, but I certainly could use it for a quality of life. Basically, anything that doesn't at this moment determine your ability to continue to go on living is considered an elective surgery. We weren't doing any of those things. So, outside of the of a few places. The Atlantic seaboard, particularly the tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Some areas in the Detroit area of Michigan. Outside of some of those areas, the rest of the country was just kind of sitting here thinking, WTF, man, what's the big deal? What are we doing here? And on that, and, and so that's it. the seasonal wave of COVID. Remember, we were going through all these IHME models 
at that time. How wrong all of their projections were all over the country. And why were they wrong? I'm, an, I'm going to tell you, a community college graduate, me, I'm going to tell you why Bill Gates's IHME model was off here in just a moment. And I'm going to be right. So pay attention here. So those, all those seasonal waves, all those data projections, all those shutdowns, not realized. The virus has largely not even shown up on the West Coast yet, except for the state of Washington, which was one of the very first places infected by COVID that we knew about. And yet, at that point in time, on April 20th, 2020, the University of Southern California found, at a minimum, at a minimum, let me repeat, at a minimum, there were 28 times more infections for, of coronavirus in Los Angeles County than the current L.A. County Health Department was able to account for. 28 times, maybe as high as 55 times more. How do you explain that? The seasonal wave projections were off. They're not seeing hospitals overrun in Los Angeles County. They're also in a lockdown. Remember the very first question we asked? The question that launched this show's skepticism against the panic porn. Do you remember? I'll remind you. How do you flatten a curve if you don't know when the curve began? Went out to dinner Saturday night with some good friends of ours. The husband is a data analyst for one of the largest corporations in America. And I asked him, if you went to your boss and you said, I, I project this percentage of increase from this system. But I have no baseline for when we actually began using this system. What would your boss say to you? My, you're fired. Yeah. That's exactly what we have done for the last year with COVID. We don't know when it arrived. We have the death of a 57-year-old Silicon Valley woman from February the 6th in Santa Clara, California. That's Northern California. Which means that that's the oldest recorded death we know of right now. But that means at the very minimum, she got the virus in January, if you look at the way it incubates. Ohio found evidence of coronavirus in its state, which is pretty far away from either New York or California. They found evidence of coronavirus in their state going back to December. When Italy... When Italy, maybe the hardest hit country in the world by coronavirus, when it started surveying the origins of the virus in its country, they could take it all the way back to September of 2019. 370,000 Chinese college students travel back and forth from this country to that one every year. 370,000. To put that in perspective, we have one city in Iowa that has more people than that. One in our entire state. And that's not counting all the other travel back and forth between China and the U.S. And does China lie to their citizens like they lie to us? You bet your sweet bippy they do. So how many of those kids went home in the middle of flu and pneumonia season last year? Or I'm, tar- I'm sorry, two years ago. For Thanksgiving or especially Christmas break, no idea. 
because China wasn't even going to tell the WHO about this until January. And then how many of them brought it back here with them? Coming back from Thanksgiving break, coming back from Christmas break. You want to know why your data projections were so off? Because it was here all along. It was here all along. The two weeks prior to the country being shut down by coronavirus. According to CDC, we were almost right at the epidemic threshold for flu and pneumonia in the country. Why? Well, when you go to the hospital today with COVID symptoms or flu symptoms or pneumonia systems, how is it coded? Your wife's a nurse, Aaron. How do they code it? Uh, Influenza-like or COVID-like. Or COVID-like symptoms, yes. It was here the whole time. That's why L.A. County is shocked to learn that they are approaching a herd immunity threshold. Now, that's not the same as herd immunity. That's the threshold where there's enough natural resistance that the, 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 the spread begins to, sp- to slow. And no, it's not about vaccinations. I don't even think something like 11% of the country is vaccinated now. So no, that's not it. The reason all these numbers have been wrong, the reason all this data has been wrong all this time is because the baseline was wrong. It started from a bad premise. That's why it was wrong. When you recognize something is not its origin date, gravity existed long before the apple fell upon Newton's head. It was always there. Just your acknowledgement of something is not its origin date. That's why they're hitting... Herd immunity thresholds in L.A. Their entire data set's been off by 28 to 55 times from the very beginning. More in a moment. back here on the steve day show here live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast let's welcome back our old friend david harsanyi from national review and new york post good to see you david how are you i'm well thank you for having me so david there's there's plenty of things you've commented on i want to get your take on but first i just saw these poll results and i would i've got to get your take on this okay so here this is from suffolk university all right um they do polling i think it is for usa today um, Trump supporters' opinions of QAnon favorable, as the great prophet Moses Malone once said, "Foe, foe, foe." Four percent favorable, unfavorable thirty-one percent, never heard of forty-three percent, undecided twenty-one percent. Just I've got to get your instant reaction to that. Well, I think QAnon is basically well known among the left and it is in their interest especially the media's interest to keep propelling that story to keep pretending that they have a a hold of the republican party to keep pretending that a bunch of representatives uh in congress are are members of that movement or whatever it is i don't i can't even really make heads or tails of the conspiracy myself um when there is really perhaps one person who is uh you know subscribes to that conspiracy theory and that it's not that big a deal among republicans now think about that poll what if the media didn't even cover it at all how many republicans mm-hmm. would even know about it probably a much lower number and the and the, and the number of people who uh 
were against it or did dislike it or whatever, however it was phrased would probably uh, it's probably this low because people don't even know what it's about, you know, other than the coverage they hear in the news. What do you what do you make? So let's let's go to what we have seen in the news so far. So we're about a month into the Biden administration. Actually, it's almost exactly one month. What do you make of the constant pessimism that instead of, hey, um, you know, we can we can overcome this. We can get back to who we are. We don't really know Um, who knows uh, things are going to get worse before they get better. We're heading into a dark few months. How much of this is worldview? And then how much of this, frankly, is just setting the the standard so low that when you overcome it later, you declare victory. I mean, Bill Clinton was masterful at this, lowering expectations and then exceeding them. How much of it is is, is strategy? How much of this is worldview, do you think? I, I think a big component as far as Biden himself is is concerned is is lowering expectations. You saw it with the um the vaccine numbers where he was talking about them in a way, uh, you know, pretending that he was going to overcome this great hurdle where we had the day he said we were going to give a million vaccines per day. We'd already been to 1.6 that Wednesday before he said it. So I think part of it is that, especially with the administration, but part of it is a pessimistic view of America. I saw Dr. Fauci yesterday or today said, uh, you know, we are one, one of the wor- we've handled it worse than any country in the world or most any country in the world, which is just a myth. We are well within the, the, you know, the bounds of what every Western European country has gone through. The virus doesn't care about your, uh, you know, your your healthcare system or whatnot. It, it doesn't care about any of that. And uh, I think they view states and states' rights and anything that undermines centralized government as some sort of, uh, you know, antiquated and destructive notion that hasn't, you know, that un- that, that in this emergency hurt us. But it's a myth. And uh, so I, I think they view the country very negatively. They view Florida negatively. So they keep pumping out these stories, pretending that Florida did poorly when it outperformed New York in every quantifiable measure. Um so, yeah, I think a little bit of both. And I, but for the liberal mainstream, I think it's pessimism about America. To the point that continuing to promote that could be to their political detriment. That there's, you, you think they're so blinded by that that they'll even do it to their own political detriment. I, I, I think that's right. Sometimes I think you can't escape your nature. I think that's the case with both parties and, and how they view certain things. So I, I think that... For many liberals, and especially for the activist class, you know, the 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 they're very invested. They've internalized the idea that America is is not working correctly. They've they've internalized the idea that the Constitution doesn't work, that it's unfair and a minority rule and all that kind of garbage. And uh, there's just you can't escape. You, you, you can't pretend otherwise. You can't pr- pretend to be sunny about and optimistic about America's future when you actually don't believe it. Hmm. You brought up Florida. Let's go there next. And I have been telling my audience that, you know, Ron DeSantis might as well right now change his name to Donald Trump, that they understand 
He's he, or, or cha- Florida could change its name to Sweden. It's a control group, but it's not even alone. My home state of Iowa, in fact, reopened before Florida did, and more aggressively so. But we're talking about the most pivotal and expensive swing state in American national elections. We just had a presidential election where Donald Trump, by Florida standards, where the previous 11 presidential elections were, were, were settled by an average of two and a half points. Trump won it by more than four. That's a landslide in Florida. You're still looking at Ron DeSantis has a fairly favorable overall rating with with Floridians that he's the big trophy for them next year to take him out uh, because if 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 Trump doesn't run again he becomes an overwhelming favorite in my view to be the Republican nominee and it makes any party's path to 270. Uh, more enviable if they don't have to spend $100 million contesting the state of Florida. And if a nominee DeSantis could take that money and put it back into reclaiming Arizona or Virginia, which used to be prime GOP territory, for example. So I think that they're trying to make an example out of him, that that, that he is their big trophy for the 2022 cycle. Try to, try to kill him in the crib, if you will, before he gets reelected, gathers ahead of steam. And I've been impressed politically. Now, I don't, this is, I'm not playing favorites. I don't know him at all. I met him once at CPAC for 10 minutes. All right, but... I have been impressed with his ability to respond to their, not just respond to their narratives, but then reset his own. I think this was a weakness of Trump politically, that he was great at destroying their narratives, not so good at setting his alternative narrative. And we're watching DeSantis do this on COVID, on election integrity, on big tech censorship. In some respects, he's almost, he almost looks like he's in national office right now. What's your view of this? No, I think everything you said there is right. I get, I, I, I am nervous to say this because I've been through Fred Thompson and I've been through Rudy Giuliani. So sometimes the guy who looks great turns out not to be. But right now, I also think he's a unifying candidate in that he can probably bring together the old, you know, the Reagan type conservatives and the the populist Trump style conservatives. Um, He's more disciplined than Donald Trump, I think, in his messaging and thing, you know, things of that nature. So I think as a professional politician, I mean, he might not be as charismatic or he might not have the same sort of appeal to certain people. But I think just in general, he is a better, you know, politician in a way. Again, I don't know him either. I, you know, it's just what I see and read. But also he's pitted now against Andrew Cuomo, you know, it's and that's a good, good place to be, I think, nationally. Um, so I believe, as you mentioned, he needs to win another election mm-hmm. next year. Uh, yep. Yeah. And Florida's tough on on governors because, you know, you do have a bunch, you know, even though statewide it's gone Republican, I think the governor's races are pretty close. But if he wins that, I, I just don't see another candidate out there outside that could bring together both parts of the party in the way he can right now. I don't think Nikki Haley can do that. And, you know, whoever else is out there. Now, I live in Iowa, which you may or may not know. I I tend to be pretty involved in that process. Anytime the Republicans lose a presidential election in recent memory, my phone starts receiving texts and calls about five minutes after. Nothing is happening in our state. First in the nation caucus state right now. Nothing. And I think it's just because everything is frozen trying to figure out what is Donald Trump going to do? Is he going to come back out? Is he going to run again? What's your read on what he's thinking and, and may decide to do? I never know. What That's the thinking. same reaction I get when people ask me what he's thinking. So it's not just me. Go ahead. But I'm going to put, I'm going to put somebody else on the spot for a change. I'd never know what he's thinking. Um, and he's very unpredictable. So my reaction would be, nah, I doubt he's going to run. No one, you know, it's very rare that someone loses 
and then comes back and wants to run again. Um, so then he probably will, right? Because he doesn't ever do the things. I didn't think he would win. I didn't think he'd win the primaries. Didn't think he would win the presidency. So what do I know about this? I, I, I think that he uh, is he i think he liked being president though and i think you know despite everything that went on so i could see him running again uh just to show everyone up but you know he's he's not he's getting older and things like that i i don't know i don't know what he'll do is my answer do you think there's a timetable for him for example could he take this well into 2023 because normally we're seeing, you know, primary debates and things of that nature by the spring of the year before Iowa and New Hampshire. So, you know, May, June uh, b- before, uh, the, you know, Iowa and New Hampshire go off in February of the next year. Does Can he take this well into 2023? Do you think that he owes anybody, a, you know, a, hey, what I'm going to do by a certain drop dead date or not? Well, one thing Trump did was blow up all the expectations people had of what you were supposed to do or how you were supposed to win, where you're going to raise money when you go to Iowa, when you, you know, or anything like that. So I don't think he feels like he owes anyone an explanation. And I doubt that he feels any sort of pressure on it, on a, on a deadline. So, um, yeah, my answer is, I don't think he does. I think he could, you know, at the last possible moment, drop in if he felt like it. But I could also see him getting behind someone like DeSantis. I think DeSantis did run, uh, you know, he was very, I think he was, you know, sort of a Trumpian campaign, even though he's not exactly that kind of guy. So um, he might just be happy with that. I, I don't, you know, it's hard to know what he's thinking. Final thing. Let's talk about Cuomo. This story has taken on a life of its own. And and the resistance to him within his own party has probably exceeded what people like you and I ever thought we were ever going to see with this story. And now it sort of feels like the genie's out of the bottle here and the momentum cannot be stopped. So where so where does it go? Where does this momentum eventually go? I think once Trump was gone, it was going to be difficult to keep a lid on this story. I think that uh, he was a he was a good foil for Trump, put on a good press conference or whatever they were saying. But now I, I just I think that he is not well liked within his party. He's not well liked by others in New York. Uh, his 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 approval ratings I think remain high, which is just weird to me. But he is. Uh, you know, I think that people smell smell uh, the blood in the water or if that's the saying extra, but, uh, so I, I think it keeps going. I see even liberal places like slates, slate magazines, like, why are we defending this guy? There's really no political useful. He's not going to run for president. So there's no national, um, reason for liberals to be defending him any, any more. So I, I suspect the story gets worse. Listen, it deserves to be, he is the worst governor in the country. He, uh, made the single most deadly mistake in this whole virus. Who we don't, you know, a lot of times I understand we didn't know what was going on. So you could say he made a mistake when he didn't have all the information, but then he covered it up and lied about it, which tells us that, you know, what kind of person he is. And uh, I would like to see him fall uh, hard because uh, I think he's a bad guy and I think his policies are, are terrible. And I think he's just, he's deserving. He's one of the worst politicians in this country, the most cynical people going. He wrote that book. He lied about it. He put the blame on, on nursery, nursing home, sorry, nursing home workers. He's just a terrible person. David Arsanye from uh, both National Review and New York Post. Good to see you again, brother. Thanks for joining us today. Take care. Anytime. Thank you. You bet.
Hey, if you enjoy wine, you then you need to try the uh, the wine from the extreme altitudes of Argentina. Remote vineyards at 9,000 feet through our friends over at Bonner Private Wine. Uh, these vineyards, miles away from civilization, the result is an inky red wine, and it's also healthier uh, than other wines, uh, with 10 times more longevity-boosting um, uh, ingredients, 90% less sugar, no dyes, no flavor additives, but the best part, the flavor. We, The three of us, we can attest to that. We've all tried uh, this wine. It's fantastic. Blackberry leather smoke, a little dark cherry. If you want to give this a shot, head over to PatriotWine2021.com. Get 50% off imported wine shipped to you today. 50% off shipping today imported wine that tastes absolutely fantastic. Both Aaron and Todd can attest to this as well. All right, so no inflated prices whatsoever at PatriotWine2021.com. You're going to get top quality foreign wine for about half the price at PatriotWine2021.com. Any conversation or any thoughts on the conversation we just had with David Harsanyi? Well, that last part there about Cuomo, it is really chilling. He talks about the utility of Cuomo to the progressive left and how that just isn't there anymore mm-hmm. vis-a-vis Donald Trump. What he's saying is there is that the left is willing to kill people, its own people in New York for its own cause if it believes the other side, the perceived enemy, is hurt more. You know, this is like that story of uh, the Russians, uh, the Soviets in World War II in Stalingrad. Uh, where they just had so many people and they just kept throwing them uh, unequipped uh, at the Germans and some of them would run back and they'd keep people at the back of the line with machine guns and mm-hmm. shoot, you know, spray their mm-hmm. own people. Mm-hmm. That's what this reminds me of, the malevolence of the progressive left. Yeah, Jesse Kelly, um, commentator, he's been on the show multiple times, uh, you know, show host. Uh, he's been talking about uh, recently, you can make any any argument about the pitfalls, about the misery of communism, but it doesn't matter. It will not persuade the communist. You can substitute progressive because they know they just don't care. This is another uh, this is another um, example of that. But from the other side of the aisle. All right. How many examples have we seen recently of, well, if I just count out to this, if I just do that, if I just say this, if I clutch these pearls, if I uh, virtue or if I signal this virtue, they won't won't hurt me Mm -hmm. from both sides of the. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. It is like the indiscriminate spraying of bullet fire. Uh, All it is is a will to power. If you get in my way one day, but not the next Uh, Too bad. If you're uh, helping me one day, but not the next, too bad. It does not matter. It's just a will to power. I think that's, you know, we have projected on the spirit of the age our own behavior. You know, we've had this notion on the right that we can abandon certain civilization defining issues, but if we have the right views on taxation or immigration, or and these are important issues as well, or vice versa, we can abandon our views on debtor government provided we're really pro-life, right? It works both ways, right? And th- that that this, this thing called existence is an a la carte menu. We just go up there and grab the, the parts right. we like and then the parts that aren't convenient right now, we just, we don't put those on the plate. What we're up against is an all-encompassing, fully developed worldview that doesn't do that kind of parsing. It represents 
a reboot of human civilization. It's not going to just reboot a couple of things you really care about. It's going to reboot it all. All of it. If we let it. Hour 2 is next. Greetings, back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre. And all of you, let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Look for us on Gab, MeWe, Parlor, Facebook. Just look for Steve Dace in all of those places. And remember, Parlor is the one place where you can be guaranteed to get all of our updated COVID materials nowadays at Parlor. Follow me at Steve Dace on Parlor. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter. And then also, if you're looking for clips of the show that you can watch for free and then hopefully share with other people to help us get the word out, go to YouTube.com slash Steve Dace or Rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. If you're a podcast listener to the program, we appreciate you. Hopefully, you show your appreciation for us and wouldn't mind doing so by hitting the subscribe button on whichever podcast platform you access and love and utilize and leave us a five-star review on that podcast platform as well if you've yet to do that. Thank you to the scores, the thousands upon thousands of you that have done both of those things for us already. Each and every one of you are appreciated. All right. This hour, instead of our Monday town hall, We're going to do a little critical thinking, political science workshop exercise. I'm going to tell you why here in a moment. But first, I want to warn you, don't get a crash course in home title theft because it can ruin you financially. Here's how the crime happens. The legal titles to our homes are kept online these days. Cyber thieves know this. So they go find your home's title, forge your signature on a quit claim deed stating you have sold your home to them. And then they take out loans against your home until all of your equity is gone. Often you don't find out about it until collection calls or worse begin pouring in and you're not going to be protected by your homeowner's insurance nor your mortgage lender but you can get protection from home title lock and in the unlikely event that you become victim of title theft while still a member home title locks pledge to spend up to a quarter of a million dollars in legal fees out of their own pocket to restore your home's title rightfully to you so go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't yet know it at hometitlelock.com and then use the code radio for 30 free days of protection that's the code radio at hometitlelock.com so we were talking last week about something totally different but then it got me to thinking how it applies to this issue which is the issue of the of, of, of our time right now and continues to be and that is covid and the encroachments upon liberty that have resulted from it But we got to talking about this last week. How many people, you know, whether it's Fox or MSNBC, in the Trump era, everybody saw huge upticks in in viewership. Blogs, media, Twitter. What was the value of Twitter in May of 2015 before Donald Trump came down those escalators to formally announce his candidacy? And what's happened to the value of Twitter from that time forward, right? Huh, yeah. I mean, everything everything in our political process 
That's when I, when I when I when I say everything in the process, I mean the daily grind of politics, the the daily coverage of events, the daily dueling D U E L dueling narratives, the back and forth. Anybody involved in that intensive process and pursuit of politics, Donald Trump's been a boom for business. All, we've got more people daily engaged now than ever before, which means we may have more people that have not been fully exposed to how the process truly works. Not the way you are told it works, because that's not the way that it works, but the way the process truly works. We may have more of those people in our audience right now than ever before. We used, to, we used to say on our show, and it's still one of, our, one of our main mantras, that we're not trying to win an argument, we're trying to start one. We try to encourage and spur critical thinking on this show. Not necessarily just thinking like us. I mean, we'd like it if you thought like us, because we think we're right. Otherwise, we wouldn't think these things. <laughs> now, that's not to say that we claim we're right. We're not right about everything. But if, if we didn't think what we think is right, we'd think something else, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, if you've got better arguments, better data than what we have, you'll, you can change our minds. I've talked over the years on this show how some of my liber- more libertarian-minded friends have won some arguments with me and changed my mind on a few things. Okay. But ultimately, yeah, we'd love it if you thought the way we thought because if we didn't think we were right, we wouldn't be thinking that. But ultimately... We want, we're not, we're not here necessarily to change what you think, but how you think. So to that end, I want us this hour to, instead of our normal Monday town hall, we're going to do a bit of a political science workshop. Consider me the professor of the class. And all of you, Todd Aaron, get to be the students today. And I'm just going to, we're going to walk through a conversation. I'm going to ask questions because I think it's, it's important to learn how our political process really works. So you master it, it doesn't master you. Not the, not the slogans, not the naive idealism, but how it really works. How it really operates. When you marry somebody, you have an idyllic notion of what that person is like and what life will be like with them. And then you live with them and you smell their farts and burps. You see them when they don't look like they're, um, they're ready to take on the town every Friday night for a date. Right? I mean, that doesn't mean, by the way, what you saw of them before is not who they really were. It just wasn't all they were. And... Ultimately, in my line of work, I've seen way too many people come into this. I'll tell you a very quick story. 
I was invited, and I can't remember the name of the group now, but there's a national group of, uh, a national homeschool group that trains homeschool, high school kids in homeschools uh, that are interested in a future in politics. And I wish I could remember the name of the group, and I can't remember what it's called now. And one year, they had a big event in Iowa. And they asked me to come down to the state capitol and speak to them. And I, I, I go speak to these kids who spent all day at our legislature and meeting the governor and all the, the, the political machine. And they watched debate on the state house floor. And I walk in. Uh, it, it's my turn to speak to address this group. These are high school kids now. So, I mean, they're on the, they're on the brink of adulthood, right? <clears throat> and I don't know what it was when I looked at them. I just thought to myself, these kids have no shot. They look like they're 10. And they're too innocent. They look too innocent. And I made the decision that they saw the pomp and circumstance of the political process. But they really didn't see what the process is really about. I've had friends of mine get involved in this process. Some of them are people I've recruited. And I've seen them, I've seen plenty of them lose their marriages. I've seen them make terrible mistakes, go to prison. I've I've seen their their love for life crushed in a perpetual state of cynicism. I saw a tweet the other day from uh, who's the comedian from the original Office that blew everybody up oh, in the oh, Golden Globes a couple of years ago. Ricky Gervais said he wanted to thank Twitter for curing him of all of his naivete for believing in the inherent goodness of humanity. Yes, I mean, if if you weren't sure what total depravity was, just, you know, read social media. That's what it is. The atheist went full Calvin? Yeah, yes, he did. Is he an atheist? I didn't know that he was. Yeah. And uh, I, I just, you're not going to be effective in this process if you don't really know what you're up against. Now, I want you to abandon your idealism. Do I want you to abandon your ideals? No. It's two totally different things, right? Yeah. But I mean, if you go in there thinking, and a lot of people do, that the system just hasn't heard your Daniel Webster impersonation yet. Just hasn't heard your Beatitudes, your Sermon on the Mount. And when, when you arrive, where do they get a load of me? When I show up, man, and just lay down some holy ordinance, and they're all going to look at me and say, oh, wow. You know, we were total grift cons up here all this time, being a false flag operation of the Democratic Party while lining our own pockets. But you've really made us reconsider our lot in life. We're going to lay down all that. We're going to beat our plowshares into swords and take on the day. No, no, that's not going to happen. And I looked at these kids and I just thought, 
these are the kids that go to college, get really go to like a Hillsdale, a great school, by the way, but have are like not really exposed to what they're really up against. Come out graduating top of their class. Go work at some senator or congressman's office. And within a couple of years, man, they're burning lung darts. They're on their uh, they're on their third girlfriend. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Burn out. Because the level of evil you're up against, the system is worse than you think it is. I promise. It's worse. Steve, I'm pretty... No. No, you're not. You're not cynical enough. No, you're not. And you're not... None of you are. It is worse than you think it is. So I looked at these high school kids on the brink of graduation, moving on to adulthood, and they looked just so cheerful and cheery. And I said to myself, you know, self, somebody's got to do something about that. (laughs) So here's how I opened up my talk to these kids that day. I I said, hey, so you guys had the pleasure of spending the day over here at the uh, state, Iowa State House, and you met our governor and your legislative leaders, and you watched legislation being crafted and bills being debated, right? Pretty exciting stuff, right? The kids nodded their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I then I looked at him and I said, how many? So when you guys broke for lunch, did your did your chaperones take you down to 801 Grand? That's like the big fancy steakhouse here in town. Right. Yeah. Have you heard this story before? And I love it. OK. Did you did your chaperones take you down to 801 Grand and, and let you watch lobbyists buying your those exact same legislators steak and martini lunches in order to get some corrupt piece of legislation passed here by three o'clock this afternoon? It's at this point where the people invited you thought they were looking at the Vader scene from yes. Rogue One, like yes. force yes. choking people. Yes, yes. I mean, literally just piles of bodies in the hall, right? Dude, it got real freaking quiet in that room. But you know what was funny is the kids began to sit up straight like, all right, finally, somebody's going to tell me what actually how this works. I thought this whole thing was BS. Is that popcorn? Right? Yeah. Like the kids are interested now, like taking notes. They're like barely paying attention when I mentioned the other stuff they did. When I told them that, they start looking at each other like, all right, somebody's going to give us the what's up. Pay attention. Pay attention. Now we're going to now we're gonna get the truth how, of this How do you thing. spell political horde? Does that yeah, have an yes. H in it? Now, the adults in the room lost their damn <laughs> minds, okay? But, I mean, I told those kids everything. Didn't hold anything back. Told them everything. And I said, you have a response. You are owed. If, if you're going to take this on, you're owed to know what you're up against. The Bible doesn't hide human nature from us. Maybe your parents hid that part of those parts of the Bible from you. But the word of God does not hide human nature from us. It's pretty blunt about it, as a matter of fact. So I was blunt to them. Afterwards, I received a note from the president of this organization, informed I would never be invited back to speak. <laughs> All right. And that's not what they wanted. And it was very disappointing. Did they know who they were asking to show up? Uh, Apparently they did not. Okay. Uh, But they, they know now, many years later, I don't want you folks to suffer that same fate. Because I kind of feel like if we're going to do this whole theme this year, the answer is us run for legislature, run for school board, find out who, you know, who has these positions. You kind of need to know what you're really up against, how the system operates. So let's take this and apply this level of realism. 
to an issue that touches every life in this audience right now. COVID. And the ancillary tentacles of encroachment upon liberty. Loss of contact with loved ones, friends, rites of passage that can't be duplicated. How about just the sickness and the death associated with it? Let's never lose sight of that. And let's think through this issue critically. Today is February 21st. I'm sorry, February 22nd, 2020. Joe Biden has been president of this country for almost exactly a month now. Since January 8th of this year, daily new cases in the United States nationwide have dropped 71%. So let's set some benchmarks. Biden, president for a month. Since January 8th, daily new cases in America have dropped nationwide 71%. We're seeing similar drops all over the world right now. We talked at the top of the show about the Los Angeles Times, shocked and amazed that all of a sudden it appears they've hit some kind of herd immunity threshold there in L.A. County. How would they? They didn't see it coming. We're just now beginning a vaccination program. Last I saw, we had not even reached 11% of the population had been vaccinated yet. So that's, that's not going to hit your herd immunity threshold for you in a nation of this size. That's natural immunity doing that. Or they made the tests less sensitive after the World Health Organization told them to do that one hour after Joe Biden got inaugurated. I'm sorry, is this on? I didn't hear anything. Okay, okay. my bad. Okay, not meant to not say the quiet part out loud. That's possible, right? You're getting an email as we speak from that same kids <laughs> political organization. Yes. Very disappointing. Weird. Yes. Yes. yes, this is uncomfortable. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, you're seeing you saw in the Dana Bash clip that Aaron put in his montage Dana Bash at CNN had a look on her face now I don't care what a woman's belief system is as men we know what that tone of voice from a woman means do we not Todd doesn't matter what they believe what God they worship or don't that was her resting um, I'm not buying this face Dana Bash has had about enough of Lord Fauci if, if you go back and watch that clip that Aaron played. And she's not alone. You're seeing a lot of left media outlets are like, when does this end? We had the clip last Friday, Savannah Guthrie from the Today Show grilling Kamala Harris. Why aren't the kids in school? Stephanie Rule at MSNBC grilling Andy Slavitt, one of the White House coronavirus advisors. Florida and California have virtually the same numbers. They don't. Florida's are better, but whatever. Florida and California have virtually the same numbers, but California's been closed this whole time. Florida's been open. How do you explain that? Uh, uh, well, good morning, Stephanie. You can't explain it. You can't. Forty-three percent, according to Rational Ground, last week we climbed to forty-three percent of American school children were doing at least some portion of in-person learning. And we've said all along that schools were the major benchmark of reopening the country, right? Because it's it's symbiotic. So many kids, you can't fully reopen a country if the kids aren't back in school because you have to account for them the whole day if they're not. 
And then you can't reopen the schools either and, and have them open and the rest of the country not. They go hand in hand. So with all those benchmarks now, now set and a reset, 71% reduction in daily new cases since January the 8th. We hit a new high of 43% of American school children getting at least some in-person learning according to Rational Ground. One of America's largest counties just ran a front page article yesterday in L.A., about hitting a herd immunity threshold. You are increasingly seeing real-time examples of left media growing impatient with COVID and panic porn. There's an all, I didn't even mention this, all-out mutiny against teacher unions all over the country. So with those five benchmarks set, did I forget one that I already mentioned that need to be reset? Uh, that was it? Yeah. Okay. With those five benchmarks set, let's, let's have a thought exercise. All those things are all still true. Nothing changes. All those numbers, all the trends, all the data, still the same. But Donald Trump is president right now. How does or doesn't the narrative change with COVID-19? Gentlemen, first crack at answering this. What do you think? Well, this is not a new question in that for months and months, oftentimes off the air and We've done more thought exercises amongst the three of us mm-hmm. off the air than ever before mm-hmm. because we're trying to negotiate, you know, Steve would say, well, like it, the exhaustion factor at sooner or later, even people on the left have their things that they love. They yeah. want to get back to and then we but but then the crazy voices in the head are like how deeply broken and afraid are people where they some of them can't go back even if they agree uh, ideologically uh with uh the people that want to get back to normal it's it, it's hard to figure out but the one thing for certain i start off and this is a based on what i said last show on the heels of uh david arsani being there th- there is no way that cuomo would be in the crosshairs. I purposefully did not mention him to see when he would voluntarily come up in this conversation. So why did you go there? Well, it's just, yeah, I figured let's get the most obvious start off the, out of the way and see how the snowball builds from there. But he, he was, he's such an obvious, I mean, he, he's as over the top in how he does things as Donald Trump is in many ways. I mean, before we knew a 2020 or a COVID was, he's the, he's the guy that came racing to the defense of infanticide in the wake of uh, what happened also down in um, uh, Virginia when that was a thing, what, two, three years ago. So this is, this is a guy who will say and do anything. That's an important skill to have for a progressive politician that's not, that's at his level of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And now to be willing to throw him under the bus for whatever ideological message, again, like the, the other progressives don't like him. Um, it 
it makes me again wonder exactly what the plans are. I even posed this to you like a couple weeks ago. What exactly now they're they're going full in with the devout Catholic president here on gender wars. You know what what has been accomplished in their eyes by getting rid of Trump that allows them to do this, that get rid of a guy like Cuomo. It, it, it's chilling to me that they realize that they, they are there. We say at the bottom of the slippery slope that they're there. They, I think, believe that too, that it's pull, now is our moment. It's no longer marching through the institutions. If Trump was still here, the, uh, they wouldn't be able to do that quite yet, whether they had the taste in their mouth uh, or not. I, I, I think the fact that they're willing to gut a guy like Cuomo, who is very much their own Trump, is you have to start to, to say, what does that mean about who they think they really are? Because if it's not him, dear God, what is it? When Harsanyi said last hour that with Trump out of the way, that they could not escape the scrutiny of the of the Cuomo story. What did he mean by that, do you think? See, that's... Because I, I agree wholeheartedly with, with him on that, but what do you think he meant by that? Why, why is the removal of Trump, the presence of Trump, why does that bring this story to the forefront? This is where my... I, I, I am... You agree? I, I'm not equipped to fully understand that I just really am not at this moment because I think the answers are so bad, are so well, bad. All of them, but one is bad. All of them, what one is bad. Go back to what we said last week. Never, ever forget there is still a sovereign God over the universe. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. And the likes of what Andrew Cuomo is guilty of, of that account is getting settled. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it gets settled in public. It's kind of, you're kind of watching it get settled right now. Sometimes it's settled, uh, mano y mano creator to uh, creation in the afterlife. But, but those sorts, those things do not go unjustified. Otherwise we wouldn't have a, a, a just God, right? So in any season, God can create a reckoning with the heinous mass murder of thousands of elderly that Andrew Cuomo is responsible for. So let's never lose sight of that. That, that can happen in any season because he's sovereign over all the seasons. But what is unique? Because Paul also says, hey, we serve a sovereign God. But when the moment was right, God sent his son. And we've talked in the past what that means. First time the world was united by, since Babel, by a common language. This was the first time we had modern transportation methods from even concrete walks to, to seaways and things of that nature, right? That this literally was, at this point in the evolutionary arc of small e, of human history, this was the first time these things all converged that one Jewish guy with Roman citizenship could literally uh, go almost anywhere in the civilized world that he wanted to. It hadn't happened ever until that one, till the first century AD. There's something unique about these circumstances right now that if that if, if God had decided six months ago there was a time for a reckoning with Andrew Cuomo, there would have been something to distract from it that doesn't exist right now. What, what is that distraction? Trump. Trump's the distraction. That they they have nothing to triangulate off of. They that this that this is a there's there's they can try to memory hole sources or, or stories and they do, but without Trump to triangulate off of, there is not a figure 
that so singularly defines the opposition that can drown out all the other alternative media that will hound the hell out of the Andrew Cuomo story. And that's why they have to acknowledge it. Furthermore, it's safe for them to acknowledge it. Remember what our friend Daniel Horowitz said, the reason that Sweden, the country that gave us Greta Thunberg in 2019 and 18, was the country that gave us real science in 2020. Why? Because they already had all the power, the statists in Sweden have all the power that they, already, that, they, that they need, that they want. So there's no point destroying our country using a good crisis uh, to get power we already have and then destroy our way of life in the process. So let's tell the truth. They have the same issue in New York. They're under no threat of losing their power to an opposition party there. None. So if there was ever a place, and it's in their own backyard, if there was ever a place for them to make it look like we're salvaging, salvaging a shred of credibility here, and to make an example out of somebody, he would be the one. He's not likable. They don't like him either. They just replace him with another Democrat. And they've already probably already got lined up who they wanted to be. If I had to guess, it would probably be the attorney general of New York that filed, that's going after him. That she's being set up. Is it Letitia Wright? That's her name. She's being set up to be a successor. So you just, he's an easy mark right now. And you're, and, and because Trump's at not there, you can't give, your, your opposition gets, doesn't take any credit for this. You don't have to put up with Trump the next day saying, told you that Cuomo was bad. He's governor of my own state. He can't win. Your opposition gains no points by making Andrew Cuomo a sacrificial lamb. You only gain. You gain credibility. You take out somebody you don't like. You put somebody in you do. And you still maintain an iron grip on the politics of that state. And every day he remains in office threatens to loosen that grip because he's the problem. We'll have more on this in a moment. So whether it's back, knees, neck, or shoulder pain, unless you're dealing with an injury, and if you are, make sure you go see a doctor and get professional help. But other than that, the underlying cause is likely inflammation, and you have to defeat that inflammation or it can cause permanent damage. That's where our friends at Omega XL come in, backed by 35 years of clinical research, Omega XL will attack the inflammation that's causing your pain. For me, it's a left hip flexor, and that's why Omega XL is part of my daily regimen because pain relievers, topical rubs, they help, but they also just mask the problem. They just deal with the symptoms. But Omega XL will help to neutralize the inflammation that's causing those painful stiff joints and muscles. So if you want to give it a shot, you need to try Omega XL. And right now they have a special offer. Buy one bottle, get a second one for free when you go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Just like it sounds, OmegaXL.com slash Steve. Buy one bottle, get a second bottle for free, or give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. All right, let's return to our critical thinking exercise. How would things be different right now with coronavirus? Everything's the same. Uh, I saw today the COVID tracking project from the Atlantic has announced it's closing down on March 7th. So what's that, two weeks from today? All right, so all the other data points, narratives, everything's all the same, but Donald Trump is president right now, right? That's what you and I were just discussing. Right. And we were talking about Cuomo. 
And that the without Trump there to triangulate off of, you can't keep a story of this magnitude hidden. Secondly, they own they only gain. Democrats only gain by getting rid of Cuomo. They only gain. They, they take a huge talking point away from Republicans. When, whenever Ron DeSantis goes to defend himself, what's the first place he triangulates off of? New York, right? Yeah. That's the, they're, they're, they're both top three states for population. They both have large elderly populations. What's the number one state New Yorkers relocate to? Florida. Florida. So take, give that talking point, take that talking point away from DeSantis, take it away from conservative media, take it away from Republicans. Trump doesn't get any credit. He's not in office right now. He's not president right now. So he doesn't gain, Republicans don't gain anything from getting rid of Andrew Cuomo. It takes that you take ammo away from them. Meanwhile, we came, we claim credibility. Hey, we take our trash out. You know, we, we took, we got rid of our guy. And you own the machine of New York politics and just put the person in there that you think has a national future that you want to give them a platform instead. You only gain if you're a Democrat. I, that is, again, it's just so chilling because the amount of people, not just Cuomo, his own people, his own brother, his attachment to Fauci, the thread once you pull on this can and should be pulled in so many other levels that it that risk it's not just Cuomo it they're willing to undergo that risk because of their bigger plans now that they that's what's remarkable to me about this because Cuomo's just an absolutely mobster for the cause and if you can get rid of him what that says about the nature of the enemy we are up against. Frankly, every day, every day they allow us to milk the Andrew Cuomo story. They're committing political malfeasance. They should have forced him out over the weekend. Every day they allow us to milk this. They're they're giving us political capital with but the that's, story. That, that's my point. We've been milking that for months. Mm-hmm. But now, but now we're but now getting rid of him. We don't. Our side doesn't benefit in any way, shape, or form now. Meaning, there's no no national figure from the state of New York. It just so happens to be that politically can claim a scalp and victory and look better in the eyes of the American people. There, there is not. A, there is no elected Republican official that will gain by getting rid of Andrew Cuomo. That wasn't the case with Donald Trump in office. He would gain immeasurably from it. Aaron, what are your thoughts? So the Democrat base last election and what left there are of undecided independent voters were sold, were sold a false choice. Uh, Biden will follow the science. Orange man is not following the science. He has not followed the science. He's not followed the science, and that's why you can't open up, open up your business. That's why you have to wear uh, this mask everywhere. I'm sorry. That's why you get to wear this mask everywhere. <laughs> um, Orange man doesn't follow the science. That's a false choice. Donald Trump was the one who foisted all of the people who have, um, or at least the chief uh, purveyors of panic porn. That would be the dynamic duo of the uh, fiendish Fauci and the uh, bedazzled Burks. He was the one who made that decision. So that's a false choice. There, there's no there, there's no difference really in the covid policy between Trump and Biden. What has transpired, though, is that you take away Donald Trump and lots of people realize, hey, wait a minute. Um, 
President Dementia's science is not that much different than, mm-hmm. than Orange Man's science. Mm-hmm. But without Orange Man, who are you going to blame? Cuomo can't sit up there and say, well, I got these orders from the Biden. No, you can't do that. You're not going to do that. Can't do that. Because when Cuomo, as he has done on multiple occasions when Trump was in office, while we were just following the Trump administration's guidelines and everybody like clapping seals. Yeah, actually, yeah. Orange man is bad. He's very bad. Um, it, w- it was Orange Man who made uh, who, who made Cuomo seed uh, uh, all of the nursing homes with these positive cases. This is um, th- what we're watching here. I believe I believe is a turn uh, because there is nobody to blame right now. And so all of these misdeeds and that's a very light term that we've seen from the Cuomo administration. All of these misdeeds now. Uh, that's that's coming home to roost. And you're seeing Democrats in New York saying, uh, who's we, Kimo Sabi? Without Donald Trump as a national figurehead with which to pin all of your worst intuitions, all of your worst projections about the other, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing what that does for the psyche. Now, the Biden administration and Democrats were not stupid. They know who they knew who the teachers unions were going into this year. I think they had probably hoped that there would be maybe uh, more of a unified front, if you will. And so now they're mired down in this inter uh, inter fighting uh, within their own base and within their own constituents. And that's marred them down. I think that's the misstep that they made is that they figured, hey, uh, kumbaya, uh, all for Jesus here. Let's get together and have some fun. But that's not happening. So, again, without the massive orange shadow that is cast by Orange Man, uh, Democrats, those on the left, are left without anything. And really, the rest of America can't go and say, Orange Man science is bad. Let's follow the real science. They are looking for other people to blame. And that's why I think that combined with, you know, the, um, uh, the cycle threshold thing that you mentioned earlier, but we're not allowed to talk about um, that. I think that's what you're seeing the most of right now. I don't think any of this had Donald Trump been reelected. And this is this is this requires a little bit more explanation. I don't think we'd see nearly as much progress on the reopening front and the getting back to normal front as we are seeing right now. If Donald Trump was reelected, I think there's an ouch, an outside chance, an outside chance that Fauci might be diminished. But why? It's just human nature. It's it's just human nature. Why, if you are reelected, adopting all of these policies, would you change? Or would you just totally uh, reverse course now? All right. And see, now that's the key point there at the end, what you just said, because it brings us to our question. And then we have to answer. I agree with you what you just said. That we would not be as we'd actually not be as far along with momentum towards back to normal if Trump had won. But that still doesn't deter from the fact I hope I wanted him to win. Right. So how do you reconcile these two things? The reality is that if Trump had not, if Trump had won, Anthony Fauci would be every bit in the media as much as he is right now. But these media interviews would be different. Dana Bash and Andrea Mitchell and Savannah Guthrie and Stephanie Rule would not be out of patience. Instead, Anthony Fauci would essentially be set up 
to as as their weapon blunt instrument to hit the Trump administration over the head with every day. The Trump administration, based on past behavior, frankly, I think would have found itself bogged down in a back and forth with Anthony Fauci. One, Trump can't ever oversee, over, overcome any personal slight that we've learned, even when it's to his benefit to look the other way and move on. He would feel compelled to respond. He would have been impeached again. Uh, maybe impeached again over this. Yeah. Two, um, the weakness we saw of the Trump administration or Trump as a president is, is, in a, is an inability to cast or create an alternative narrative to the one that was being cast upon him. He does a great job of destroying their narratives. Maybe the best of any politician I've ever seen. But what, what Ron DeSantis has done in Florida, he has created an entire new ecosystem of data. Ron DeSantis is not answering their qualms. They're, he's not responding to them. He is, but he's not. Meaning that Ron DeSantis isn't directly reacting to something NBC News said about Florida's COVID uh, performance last night. Ron DeSantis's response is to create and generate and then distribute completely different data, wholly separate data from the fake claims and panic porn that he is attacked with. He doesn't give it oxygen. When I said last week, he doesn't give opposing narratives any room to breathe. Trump breathes life into his opponent's narratives. Just because he loves knocking them down so much and he's good at it. But at some point you have to pivot to, here's who we are instead. This is what we're doing instead. They never did that in the Trump White House. So it was just a constant exchange of toxicity between Trump and the media. People can't vote against the media. They're not on the ballot. So if you're just one of those soft-headed suburbanites like we all live with, that just wanted the mean tweets to end, I can't vote against uh, uh, CBS this morning, so who can I vote against? Who can I vote against? Donald Trump. I can vote against Donald Trump. DeSantis responds with a completely new natural habitat. He creates a different reality from the one he's attacked with. I just don't believe we, have, we saw evidence that the Trump administration was capable of that. And really, we're saying Trump. Because no campaign, no White House, no governor's mansion, no political operation can rise above its own candidate. And I think they'd be mired in an all-out war against Anthony Fauci at the moment. And we'd be sitting here screaming, go in front of the cameras, tell the people 70%, the cases have dropped 70%. We're vaccinating people back to normal. Why do I think we'd be screaming that? What did we scream all last year? Similar things, did we not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the one example, the one exception would be, what role does Scott Atlas play in this? Now, he resigned in December. If Trump had been reelected, would he have stayed on? If that's the case, then there's a possibility they could have just essentially said to Scott Atlas, you're on Fauci watch while we go run the country. We're not responding to Anthony Fauci. You are. So, 
grab a chair. You're doing sat link cookups all day long. Just pimp slapping Anthony Fauci. We've got a country to run. Maybe they could have pulled that off. But did we not sit here all last year frustrated by their inability to move beyond the media narrative to this? And that's why I think they would struggle to move beyond the media narrative to this right now. Because the media narrative would, the media, see, Trump kept waiting for the media to present a narrative in his favor. They were never going to do that. And they never did it for George Bush. And they never did it for Ronald Reagan. They're never doing it for anybody with any R after their name in national office. You have to be able to create your own narrative. Trump got done in from COVID the same way that George W. Bush got done in by Iraq. Neither one of them were able to come over the top rope of the media narrative. In fact, they often did not even try. But they tried to win within the narrative that was crafted to defeat them. You're not going to do that. One media narrative, I think you'll agree, would, would for sure be there. Right now, the worst positive feel-good stories of people getting their vaccines, I think they would absolutely be saying people are dying because yep. Trump yes. isn't getting the vaccine. Every time, every time someone gets poked to the vaccine and dies, the media would be telling you that right now mm-hmm. because they'd pin all these vaccines, rushed vaccines, just because he doesn't care about you. That's exactly right. Yes, you're right about that. So... What can we do about it in our own personal lives uh, to make sure that preemptively we're taking the best care of ourselves as we can? Don't let your guard down. And that's why we offer products like Field of Greens from our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition. Loaded with antioxidants, Field of Greens packed with 18 clinically researched essential organic fruits and vegetables, plus beets, green tea, other things that are natural and good for you. Uh, It's a powerful combination that not only supports heart health, but a healthy immune system, metabolism, blood pressure, digestion. Also has the pre and probiotics you're looking for, for your digestive system, because that's the diet, the stomach, the gut has the largest immunity system in the body. So Field of Greens is not only good for you, but it's good for the entire family, especially if you've got kids, athletes living inside the home as well. Just one scoop in any water-based drink, stir it, shake it up, you're good to go. Go to BrickHouseSteve.com and hey, take one drink of this, you're going to get more fruits and vegetables than the average American gets in an entire day. All right, BrickHouseSteve.com, get 15% off your first order today with the promo code Steve at checkout. Promo code Steve at checkout, and they've got multiple flavors as well. With BrickHouseSteve.com, that's BrickHouseSteve.com to get 15% off with the promo code Steve. Now, this is not to say, hey, we're just better off losing every election then. That, that, no. Because there's more going on here than COVID, and I'd, I would have rather had Donald Trump making those decisions than the guy in there now. But what it does show is that we have to understand what drives your opponent. And you have to respond to what, what your opponent shows drives them, not what you want to drive your opponent. We have to be able, we have to elect people that show they can create alternative habitats, alternative ecosystems of data, information, news, from the narratives that are, that are distributed by the media in order to be their undoing. These aren't attempts at news. They're attempts, they're perpetual coups. Living within that framework eventually just means we're talking coup. Might be your, your, your side of the coup story, but it's still their coup. You have to be able to come over the top of that, rise above that. And that's what DeSantis has actually shown shown so far in Florida. We'll see if we can keep it up. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.